10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo with you as we recap the week that was in A-State sports and look ahead to another big one coming up. And we'll start with, I guess, the thing we need to talk about first, and that's (laughs) this past weekend's game. At Washington. And look, we knew coming in that this was going to be a desperate Washington team. They had started off 0-2 after being ranked top 20 in the preseason. They were feeling the heat from everywhere. And heck, we saw it all week from things we read in the Seattle media, you know, social media stuff. This was... A Washington coaching staff that I think a lot of them probably thought they were coaching for their job Saturday. Certainly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, start with their offensive coordinator. and Yeah, look, I mean, I know this podcast can be as long or as short as we want it to be. This could be really, really short if we were going to have to base it on talking about Saturday. But it, because there's not a whole lot to say, it would just... Uh, But to your point, to to Washington, yeah, these guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, had to sit up there and hear all week long about how bad they sucked. Uh, And all of a sudden, you come out here Saturday against the Red Wolves, and a couple things happen. Number one, we see a a couple of guys out there that hadn't been out there the first two weeks. Like, their leading rusher from a year ago was just kind of MIA the first two games, and lo and behold, there he is Saturday. And they had for whatever reason in 2021 playing in the Pac-12 had tried to be a team that went under center a lot the first two games looked terrible doing it at one point went 20 straight possessions without scoring and then Saturday lo and behold come out almost exclusively out of the shotgun and threw it all over the yard they look like a different offense than what we had seen on film from the first couple of weeks and we're giving Washington credit out of the gate because they deserve mm-hmm. credit they played great on the flip side arkansas state admittedly did not play well in any phase and butch jones said as much when he talked to you after the game <laughs> yeah i mean this is call a spade a spade they went and laid an egg and which is going to happen i don't care who you follow uh who your team is every so often your team's just going to lay an egg. And when you do it, paired up against a day where you had a, a really talented team with its back against the wall, you know, what you get is what we saw Saturday. And, you know, I was concerned about my first post-game interview with Butch Jones being after this. Yeah, you you want to be positive, but still recap what happened on the field, and there just wasn't was much not. positive happening I, on the field. I, I told you afterward, I in however many of these post-game interviews I've done with however many coaches over the last 18 years or whatever it is, I don't know if I could remember another game where I literally couldn't find something positive to ask about. And I had a lot of time to think, because Butch Jones was in that locker room for a long time. And to his credit... 
his attitude with you was kind of different than what you'd expect. Yeah, because I was, I did not want to be the first person Butch Jones walked up to after the locker room, and I knew I had to be. <laughs> but, but he comes up, he comes walking up, and honestly, he was great about it. I mean, he just kind of, I mean, and again, if if that's the shortest post game ever, and it really all kidding aside might be, it's got nothing to do with him and everything to do with me. I asked him two questions. The only reason I didn't ask a third because I couldn't think of one. And he knocked out the answer. The biggest thing he did was took full responsibility as the head coach and vowed that that will not happen again because he's not sure why it happened this time, but that no one would work harder than him to figure out why and to make sure it didn't happen again. What he said after the game was perfect. And look, leading up to the game last week, he talked about several things that his team needed to do if they were going to be in this game and have a chance to win. The thing that he probably repeated the most was his team needed to get off to a good start. They needed to come out and punch Washington in the mouth early on and gain a little bit of confidence from there. So he had the theme of, hey, the first eight minutes is critical. And look, it started off pretty well. Defense came out, forced an opening three and out. Washington had the punt. The Red Wolves did pick up a first down on their opening drive, pinned them deep. I think Washington started their second drive at the 12, but 10 plays and 88 yards later, they were in the end zone. And you could tell just at that moment, the confidence had grown with that Washington team. The crowd was behind them. They were feeling that support again. And then, you know, the Red Wolves get the ball back. They go down. They get in field goal range. A high snap didn't allow uh, Blake Groupie to get the kick he wanted. And then it was over. After that, Washington went down and scored another touchdown, and it, it became a route from there. Yeah, honestly, the you know he, he was talking about how the first eight minutes are going to be key, and you probably could go back and say the first eight minutes may have been the best eight minutes Arkansas State had in the game because uh, you did get a three and out. And look, Washington, they came out. We're talking about they, how bad they looked on offense. They looked that bad on their first possession. And I was on the field. There was a lot of moaning and groaning in that fan base and then those stands when they went three and out and a brutal drop on a third down show I mean they it looked bad it, it was almost surprising just how quick the boo birds were out after that opening drive in fact I threw it down to you after that first drive and you know we talked about how impatient the Washington fans seemed at that point they needed to see something good and obviously they were able to see it soon after i guess if you're looking for positives from this game the red wolves did have three takeaways in the game and we saw leon jones come in at corner and this was after the rough start leon is a guy that that has kind of started the season in a backup role he was a junior college transfer coming in at that corner spot but he played most of the game after you know the first quarter and he was able to to get a really nice pass break up in the corner of the end zone and he had his first interception as a red wolf empty backfield here for morris he's got five wide trips right twins on the left morris going deep on the post it's intercepted coming back the other way is leon jones cuts left across the 20 and he's 
hit there by the receiver Terrell Bynum, but A-State gets the first takeaway of the day on the interception by Leon Jones. E.J. Alexander also with uh, a really nice takeaway as well. He had a forced fumble, came in, put his helmet right on the football, then recovered his own fumble. And then uh, another big play, Kavon Bennett at the line of scrimmage got his hand on a ball, kind of hung up in the air for a moment, and we saw Jeff Mario Brown get the interception. Throw it out right side. This is tipped and intercepted. A-State gets it right back. Tipped near the line of scrimmage. Kavon Bennett was the one that got a hand on it, and Jeff Mario Brown was the one that got the deflection from his linebacker spot. Bennett with the tip. Brown with the pick, and A-State is in business at the Washington 29. Yeah, there, there were some moments. Honestly, I've been reminded of some of them looking at this list because at the time it just didn't feel like there uh, there were. It, it was just, quite honestly, a day you're willing to just file away. You went 2,500 miles. You had to play in the rain at least for the first half, and a lot of it's solid rain. And I'll be honest, no kidding, there were times it felt like it rained harder when Arkansas State was on offense, and that's the honest-to-goodness truth. It seemed like there were nope, times you would the, know. the rain would actually picked up when uh, when the Red Bulls came out on offense. It, it, and then, you know, you go out and you, you just, again, kind of lay an egg. And I don't mean that. I don't say it overly critical. I just think every great once in a while it's going to happen. Yeah, it was a bad day for it to happen. And on the flip side of that, you can make the case that if it was going to happen one time all season, there wasn't a better time for it to happen. Because may, you may have had to play a perfect game to beat Washington anyway. You got your check for $1.75 million. Take it to the house and move on to the next thing. Yeah, that was a massive payday, one of the bigger paychecks that you'll see. And we've talked about it before. You're just... I don't think you're going to see that kind of number when it comes to some of these paychecks going forward. We talked about it. Actually, that's one of the specific things I wanted to talk with Tom Bowen about when he joined me in our pregame visit. Uh, that asked him what is the kind of what's what's it like trying to book right now a guarantee game anything for you know, 2026 and beyond. And he said, really, honestly, it's kind of not happening. He said, everything's in a holding pattern because nobody knows what, how the conference realignment's going to spin. So even who's going to be in what league, how many games is that league going to play? So there's, I mean, he said, really, there's nothing. And I had a, another guy who, who does some scheduling for another group of five school tell me that, you know, even when you are kind of having those conversations about guarantee games that far down the line right now the top of the mark is about 1.5 so you saw it getting like it was bumping it was about to hit where two million was the going rate and already that number is probably 1.5 as you're looking now past 2025 yeah and terry mahajer was very open about the fact that he was trying to get to that two million mark that was the asking price when it came to these big time programs but yeah 1.75 million is what the red wolves did bring home the other day after that trip to washington we saw both quarterbacks play in the game once again saturday james blackman got the start he was 16 of 38 for 176 didn't turn the ball over but it it seemed like there was just miscommunication at times but that Washington defense also deserves a little bit of the credit. Well, I mean, I didn't because I don't know that much about it. I know enough to be dangerous, but I was concerned about this game and this matchup for the simple reason that 
it kind of it was sort of good on good when you look at you know a state to be successful has got to you know got to re- be clicking in the passing game and, and a lot of times hit some chunk plays and that well you were going against washington defense that literally lets that happen about one time a year yeah it's it's amazing and and you go back and we mentioned the stat last week Washington now has gone 78 consecutive games without allowing more than 35 points. Far and away the longest such streak in college football. And when it comes to explosive plays, you go back to the start of the 2018 season. They've given up just 10 plays of 40 yards or more, which is just baffling to me. I mean, Yeah, where Arkansas State's coming out of a game where there were eight touchdown plays of 40 yards or more. Yeah, it's it's unreal just how good that defense is at limiting the big plays. And we saw probably two of the better corners that we'll see all season long uh, at Washington. And they took away one of our biggest assets, and that's our receiving core. Just nobody had more than three catches in that receiving core. The leading receiver the other day was Lincoln Perry. He had seven catches for 69 yards. And if you're looking for a bright spot on the offense, you start with number 22. He was very good, and he continues to to play really hard. So. And this is after, you know, didn't scratch, right, against UCA. and Didn't play. Uh, didn't play offensively. Yeah, you played some special teams, and that was it. And, and then he did get out there against Memphis, and Butch Jones – Said, look, even going into Memphis, look, this is a, he didn't pout about not getting out there and getting any carries against UCA. He handled it the right way, and it's shown the last two weeks. And A State fans, I, one thing I can tell you, and I think you can back that up too. He's not going anywhere. You're going to keep seeing Lincoln Perry out there. I fully expect to see even more of Lincoln Perry this week. Do you want to mention Blake Groupie moved into third place all time on the A-State scoring list with that field goal in the second half. He passed Josh Rocco for third all time. Yep. And then you look at some of the individuals defensively. It's, it's never a good thing when the safeties lead the team in tackles and the two safeties that started the other day were the leading tacklers on the team. I thought E.J. Alexander played well, though. Ten tackles was a team high. Mm-hmm. Forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Taylor Doss did some good things as well. He had eight tackles on the day. Yeah, so in the last 90 seconds to two minutes, we've told you that your leading receiver was a running back and your two leading tacklers were safeties. Those are not things you want to hear if you're that going on the road trying to pull an upset. Explains a lot. And one other guy that actually was third on the team in tackles the other day. <laughs> we really didn't know much at all about going in. He hadn't been on the depth chart. In fact, he wasn't even listed on the website on A-State's roster. And, you know, he's somebody that has come in and, yeah, it was a pretty big part of the linebacking core on Saturday, and that's Malik Straker, a young man from Ontario. So the first time the PA guy said this name, I was like, oh, I mean, okay, he messed that up. I don't know really who made that play, but there is no Malik Straker. But he just kind of kept saying that name. And I was like, well, okay. okay. Well, <laughs> Clearly there is one. And I'll tell you, Jeff Hankins was spotting for us the other day, and he did a great job. But the only 38 that was listed on the numerical roster was Jack Bullard. <laughs> and he kept putting putting uh, Jack Bullard's name up. And 
there was no way I was going to say Jack Bullard on the tackle because he's our deep snapper. Yeah. If he's in on defense, <laughs> we've got big problems. And Jack, I'm sure, would be the first one to admit that. But on the alphabetical roster, I had to look it up. The only place where Malik's name was listed the other day was on the alph- alphabetical roster. It was not on the numerical roster on the flip card. And, that is and so he funny. wasn't on our website. Because the most useless of all the rosters we've always agreed on is this. the alphabetical roster. It came in handy there on you Saturday. Go. The, we've First time about in the times. history of the world it has come in handy. How many times? And I've uh, we you not talked about it because you'll see this flip chart and it's got it both ways, numerically and alphabetically. I say, how many times are you watching a football game and going, oh? Hey, I know that guy's name, but I need to know what his number is. Tell me his name so I can find his number. <laughs> That's true. That's why we've always agreed that the alphabetical roster really is pointless <laughs> until there now. There you go. My apologies to all the SIDs of people who have done these alphabetical rosters. Again, he's from Ontario. He went to a college uh, before now up in Minnesota, a small liberal arts school and uh he had come in before the season and malik by the way spelled m-e-l-i-q-u-e so common spelling sure in canada i guess <laughs> but malik Straker looks to be a part of that a-state linebacking core now but uh, a-state falls short 52 to 3 there were some good things from the trip itself and we're going to talk about them next on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank the simmons bank card alerts app lets you get more from your simmons debit and credit cards set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Back on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The game didn't go so well on Saturday. Well, let's just, before you shift it to positive. Okay. Let's just, I mean, look, we promised people to kind of take it behind the scenes. The game itself is not the only thing that didn't go well at times. We had internet issues, strike right at kickoff. Yes. Literally right at kickoff. Right After we've been on the air two kickoff. hours, two and a half hours. Yeah, it, it was fine. And, and then just all of a sudden, right at kickoff, it goes out. And we missed the first three plays of the game as we were trying to get it back. It was after the, the three and out, and then yeah. we were getting the ball back on the punt return. So, is your fault. Like, the, the best possession A-State had defensively was one you weren't watching. That's true. <laughs> and in the second half, you called me out, and I'm glad you did because I said, well, it's the first – First time today that Washington has punted. First time we've seen the punt unit from Washington. Well, that was true because we (laughs) didn't include me. So you had internet issues. I lost my ability to hear you guys in the second half, which, I mean, may or may not have something to to do with standing out in the pouring rain the whole first half. So I I lost my – yeah, I've got two units as a sideline. One one pack is the mic and one pack is the ears. They both work on wireless frequencies. So I I lost my ability to hear you guys for the bulk of the second half. It was a a tough day. It was. 
Everything else was great, though. I, I enjoy the trip to Seattle, and I had made it a couple of times. But and you had gone once with the women's basketball mm-hmm. team, but Philip Butterfield had not gone before. Mark Taylor had not been before, so we were all traveling together, and it's a long flight yeah. out there. I mean. The flight out was actually longer than the flight back. I think it was four and a half hours, all of four and a half hours getting there. And I think about 345 on the way back. So we get out there and uh, I guess it's, what, six o'clock local time when we get there on Friday night. We get an Uber after we check into the hotel, head over to downtown Seattle. And we actually had seafood uh, Friday night, uh, there's a seafood place right next to the the Great Wheel, they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, big Ferris wheel right there on one of the piers downtown. Pier 57, to be exact. I that was, that was we the were. number? I think so, yeah. All right. So, came back to the hotel. Did not take me long to go to sleep after the trip, but you actually hung out in the lobby <laughs> with, with some cool folks. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so first of all, did not, to, not to just breeze through that, shout out to Fisherman's Restaurant. It was on point. Fantastic. Best chowder I've ever had. You were a big fan of the chowder. In fact, you ordered seconds Two cups that. of it. They were able to, I had one kind of as an appetizer, and then they let me do another one as a side. So to go along with a great piece of locally caught salmon that I had, mm-hmm. they had calamari that was on point everybody that everybody th- everything had everybody oysters had. and crab cakes they didn't have any catfish no they didn't serve it there but it was uh it was really good and but, then yes yeah, i think so. butterfield was disappointed but <laughs> yeah he came out first okay. time out of hot springs uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then you know yeah like i always do i just go hang around the lobby lounges all night on friday night but this particular time, I went down because uh, you know Robert Spear was down there, and he mm-hmm. was visiting with Joe Holloman, and and Spear does a great job of kind of keeping me plugged in with a lot of the former players and and the kind of the storylines involved, and so he had been telling me for a week out of the Washington trip about Joe Holloman, the guy that played at Arkansas State out of Truman High School a part of the Edmonton Eskimos as it were at the time, winning five straight Grey Cups. Then after that, he came back to Arkansas State, finished his degree, and then ended up making his living, I think, in insurance out in Seattle. So he was there at the team hotel Friday night. He was on the air with me on Thursday, and we just yeah, had, a had a really – Great interview. Yeah, I would rec- – I mean, if you didn't hear that, I would send you to 953theticket.com to check out that interview because it, it would just – crazy fascinating stuff and we just scratched the surface uh so anyway go down and get to meet him and we sit and talk for a while uh but a lot more listening than talking by a lot i would think yeah and uh but then at some point like somebody comes walking up across and stops and talks to joe holloman and dropping a name about somebody that they both knew, been a teammate with somewhere along the way. But there was some, the first guy, the guy that came walking up, he couldn't remember the guy's name, but he finally did. He thought of it, so he's coming to tell Joe Holloman the name he couldn't remember from earlier. And after about 30 seconds or so in the conversation, I realized 
this is Cornelius Bennett standing here. And it didn't it didn't immediately click with me. But once he started talking, it, it, you know, certain things clued into, well, there's Cornelius Bennett standing here. And he started to walk and he came back. So he ends up kind of standing on the other side of me. So I'm like, at this point, I'm seated, but I'm right between Cornelius Bennett and Joe Holloman. That's a pretty good seat. And yeah, and he was talking about, uh, you know, they were cutting up and carrying on a little bit. And and then he left, and I was like, I told the guys, you know, at the table there, Joe, I mean, I really messed up. I should have gotten that picture when I was sitting there between a guy that won five Grey Cups and a guy that lost five Super Bowls. That doesn't happen no, very often. No, I don't know how many other guys you could have sat next to and it's, had that yeah, shot. Yeah, it's very, one of the very few combinations that you probably could have come out like that. But uh, So that was cool, yeah. So the Friday night trip down to the lobby – Turned out to be a fun time. It was, and then we get up and go to the stadium on Saturday, and you know we get there early to set up, and we were told just what a beautiful setting Husky Stadium was, and it certainly lived up to the hype. In fact, you know we talk about the rain, and we had talked about the rain all week long, <laughs> leading up to the game. Yeah, and then it's just beautiful before the game it's perfect and the the local forecast had changed and there was still a chance of rain as the game went on but when the game started it was really nice and it was really nice that morning all the way up until kickoff we described the scene there at the stadium I mean you look off to the left you've got the campus which is very modern looking beautiful campus beyond that you've got I believe the the Cascade Mountains, and then you look off to the right. There's Lake Washington, just beautiful, and you know you've got you know, you're on the Seattle side. They're on they're at the stadium, and on the other side is Bellevue, where the team had actually stayed the night before. And beyond that, there's the Olympic Mountains, and then you look back behind you, and Mount Rainier is is back there in the distance, which is you know the the largest peak in the lower 48. But it's just an incredible setting that you're not going to find anywhere else. So we get there, we we take it in, we've got a, a great booth to set up in there at Husky Stadium. And I will tell you this, and we're going to start rec- recording these because <laughs> some of my favorite moments are when my man here, Bobo, goes down onto the field and we do our mic test we go down well before pregame starts and we test the sideline mic and brad's on the field and he's walking back and forth and the best times are when the band is actually down there rehearsing and it happened to be band day yes on saturday at husky stadium it did so at first uh And it is funny how many times this has happened that we go to where you have interviewed band members. We're just yeah. I walk up and just stick a uh, the sideline mic in some band member's face, and we just kind of chop it up a little bit. Well, it was band day. They they don't know you're testing the mic. That's no. that's the reason for it. <laughs> and so all these they had like a thousand high school kids down there with them, or a, a thousand total counting the the band. Anyway, it was a bunch of band members on this field, and so. I walk up to, uh, there's a, a small group there and they're matching warm-ups uh, jackets. And they were on Alaska High School. What does On Alaska, which is the word on and the word Alaska just mashed into one word. So I started out and said, hey, on Alaska, am I saying that right? Well, yes, you are. And, well, where's on Alaska? And 
it's oh about an hour and a half he started you know it's from you know where this town is no i don't know where those towns are (laughs) where is it (laughs) oh it's like an hour and a half from here okay and they're the loggers and they beat somebody real bad in football friday night and this that and the other thing and so you asked who who they beat yeah i can't remember the name of that school though but they're terrible so if you're listening and your team got beat by on alaska word is your team sucks yeah you called them out yeah uh so then that breaks up and uh, we need to do some more mic testing so i'm going down you're trying to walk the whole sideline and all the places you'd be to check these because it's on these wireless frequencies i mean and often it doesn't work i mean you got to tinker with it to get the frequencies right so then you end up down there where the washington band the high school kids left but the washington band was still down there and they had this drum major down there i mean just going to town twirling his baton he was i mean it was crazy he would throw that thing in the air and drop down to a knee and reach his hand between his legs and catch it and i mean he just doing all this stuff so it's time we're gonna go talk to him and, and he this was guy, fired up man he the, was ready for this interview. he was interview ready even though like some rando literally came walking up behind him tapped him on the shoulder stuck him out of his face and then he just like like he thought he was representing he went to town telling us about the nation's longest running band day and how many kids they were going to have. And it's Seattle Music Heritage Day. And there's a lot of musical heritage in Seattle, by the way. There is. And uh, and so then we start talking about twirling that baton. And you know, they got a training program they go through there at Washington for the drum majors. And uh, he's actually started, he was 14 working at it because I guess he wanted to be a drum major at Washington. And it's part of the deal. Prerequisite. You were getting this whole story during the mic check. During the mic check, yeah. He played the trumpet before before he made drum major. Started working on that baton at 14, which means, again, he either really likes the baton or he knew he wanted to be the drum major at Washington someday. And what impresses me about it, too, is is you were a band guy. I was a band guy and, and a drum major. And you were actually, you can talk shop with these people. So you know what you're talking about down on the field. And I, I think usually that's what impresses these people that you can you can hold your own in this conversation it disarms them <laughs> that i could because again go back to on alaska high school they had a kid marching with a bass clarinet i don't know if i've ever seen a kid marching with a bass clarinet and i told him i don't know and they, you got 15 kids in this band and one of them is marching the bass clarinet these interviews were so good that i'm in the booth and of course we're already hooked up back to the station here I had texted our producer, David Wofford, and I said, if you're in the studio, please record this. I, I, wanted, I wanted to get this interview, but uh, he, was, he was running just a little <laughs> bit late. He said he, he caught the tail end of it. So, and let me didn't tell you about this, this cat from Washington, this drum major. Their pregame was, was uh, really cool, and it, it, it ends up to this. The buildup is they end up, at, I thought it was really neat. They get this big flag on the field that a big part of the band or the percussion or somebody, they've got people all the way around. Yeah. Them. Well, the rest of the band, as they're marching through these formations, kind of find out, they end up making themselves into a flagpole. It looked great. And at the top of the flagpole, then they unfold this flag and, and they're waving. So as you're doing the national anthem, as you're in the stands looking down, it's the American flag on a flagpole. It's uh, made by the Washington band. I should have taken a picture. It, it looked really, really good. So, and, this, But these drum majors, during uh-huh. the National Anthem, there are two of them. The guy I talked with, and there's a girl one. And they start doing this thing. I don't know why. I got no idea why. But they do this thing where they slowly start bending backwards. Okay. Now, the young lady, she tapped out. She's more flexible than me, which is not saying a whole lot. 
but she she got to kind of her literal tipping point where she had to stop bending. My dog I talked to in the pregame kept going and kept going and kept going <laughs> to where his hat was on the ground. He's bent backwards. And this point, this hat he's wearing as a drum is on the turf. And he stood like that for, for the rest of the national anthem. And then when it was over, bloop, stood back straight back up. He's, he stayed that way the entire anthem? And from the time he got there, because he's doing this during the anthem. From the time he got there, he stayed there till it was over. And then stood straight back up. Didn't have to get, I mean, I fell down and rolled over. He stood straight back up and went about his business. Just the way you did it back at GCT, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, it was quite the scene, and there's, as you said, a lot of musical heritage there in Seattle at the University of Washington. I think Kenny G had recorded a message. He was part of the class of 78, so he was up on the video board during the course of the game. But I always love it when they do this, too, when the home team plays the visiting team's fight song, yep. and they did that the other night. That was so it, part of their pregame show. We we heard on, on, on to victory before the game. They don't play it right, but they play it. Well, it was close enough. We knew what they were playing. Yeah, I knew what they were playing. I mean, they, they play the right song. They just don't – sometimes, as I said, they put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I mean, it's a little bit – Slow and melodic for my liking, but they just, it's a nice They touch. just learned it this week. Yeah, it's good. All right, so a great scene there in Seattle. The Red Wolves will now be on the road again. This is part of a, a three-game road swing. They'll head to Tulsa this week, and this is a place where we were three years ago and picked up a win. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a, it's a matchup that makes a lot of sense on both sides. You get border states peer conferences it's a nice matchup fans that want to get there either way can get there so uh, i like playing tulsa it's you know gonna get a good test i i was hoping after week one they sucked come they to find don't. out they don't yeah they're zero and three and that's a really misleading zero and three because they had a good season last year and they start week one they lose to uc davis well Turns out, you know, Tulsa had six players suspended for that game. And it was a suspension from the end of the year last year. So that was one of the reasons why Tulsa fell short. And then they gave Oklahoma State a really tight game in week two. And then they were playing right with Ohio State most of the game this past weekend. Yeah, the first score I see of that, 0-0. And like, well, okay, all games start 0-0. But this was like two minutes into the second quarter and like oh crap <laughs> it, it is the final tune-up before conference play begins because next week we'll be opening up league play at georgia southern so the red wolves want to correct a lot of things this week and yeah i'm like you i like the matchup it's a good game for both teams whatever the year and you know hopefully a state kind of uses this as a chance to bounce back with a better performance this week it will not be out of a lack of getting worked you know it won't be because the coaching staff left some stone unturned as to why what happened saturday happened there's zero chance of that happening uh we already were hearing buzz on the flight home about a team meeting sunday night to sit down as a team watch the film 
the message to players are be ready to be able to stand up in front of everybody and explain why you did what you did on a given play. Well, they're holding everybody accountable, holding each other accountable. So I would uh, expect nothing less going forward with this team. We'll see how the Red Wolves respond. Kickoff at 4 o'clock on Saturday from H.A. Chapman Stadium in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our coverage begins at 2 on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield, presented by Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Back on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've talked a lot about football to this point, but it was a heck of a day on Friday for the A-State soccer team, a revenge match, if you will, as the Red Wolves got to host the team they had lost to each of the last two years in the Sunbelt Championship game. South Alabama was in Jonesboro, and great to see A-State open up league play with a win. South Alabama has been the the premier program in the the Sunbelt over the last handful of years, beyond just the last two. You know, Arkansas State, by the way, end up being crowned the the regular season champions last year in the Sun Belt. These two teams did not play in the regular season. They've played, as you said, the last two tournament finals, and each has been in less than ideal conditions for Arkansas State because both times Arkansas State had a player get a red card, and when that happens, you have to play the rest of the match 11 on 10. Well, the first year in the Sun Belt finals, it happened way early in the match, mm-hmm. and so in the match, the, the score looks one-sided because you played the whole match with one less person on the field. The second time it happened last year in the Sunbelt Finals, Arkansas State's leading the match by a goal, and they get a red card with like five minutes to go. And it'll not be able to hold on because you're just trying to – at this point, you're just committing yourself to pack it in and try to play defense the whole time with one less person on the field. They end up getting the equalizer and then the, the game winner very late. Coach Dooley didn't have to worry about getting his team up for the Sunbelt opener with South Alabama coming in here. They jumped up 3-1. Uh, including what was put down as an own goal scored by South Alabama. And then you know, used that great defense to hang on for a 3-2 win. This is a South Alabama team that in the, coming into this had scored 15 goals against Alcorn State. This win is something obviously they can build on. They're 4-3-1 and overall, 1-0 and in league play. And what I'm sure you'll remember is the fact that you watch this from – 35,000 feet in the air. Thanks to that good fly fi. This charter flight, for the first time in the history of ever for us, you could log on to the Wi Fi. It was the first time I remember us using this particular company, and we'll say it because it was a great experience. Yeah. Jet Blue. Jet Blue was the, the, the charter company. And yeah, great. Uh, nice plane. Every place had a USB charger and an electrical outlet. Every seat did. You could get on the Wi Fi. And yeah, so I actually watched uh, the the home stretch of this match, you know, on ESPN Plus from the plane. Mark Taylor was doing the same thing right next to me on the plane. So, yeah, uh, A State one and zero in conference play. They'll take on Georgia Southern this Thursday at home, three o'clock the start time. 
for that one. Meanwhile, the volleyball team, now 9-3. and three. They took all three matches at the Tiger Brawl in Memphis over the weekend. One in four sets over Tennessee Martin Friday morning. They swept Memphis on yes. Friday night and then one in four sets over UAPB on Saturday. Well, it's very homerish of you to mention that uh, win over Memphis. But nonetheless, <laughs> this team went one and two in its home event. They started the season at home. Since then, they've got the last three weekends, they've swept. Then the second week after that, they played a five set or all three matches. Mm-hmm. One, two of them lost one, and then went out to Memphis and swept again. So they've won eight out of nine uh, in these weekend multi-team events, playing well. Uh, Tatum Tickner, I think, was the MVP of the tournament. She was uh, the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week last week. Macy Putt was the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week last week. So, yeah, Coach Restrepo and the volleyball team rolling along as they – I think we're one more weekend away from finally getting home to open Sunbelt play. And they open Sunbelt play this week. They'll take on Appalachian State on the road Friday, and then they'll go to Conway, South Carolina to take on Coastal and that's Carolina. A, that's a tough trip. Sunday. Number one, it's a tough trip. As you know, you've made that app Coastal Trip. They might be travel partners, but they're not close to one another no, particularly. About <clears> five hours apart. And then uh, that's two, you know, traditionally two pretty good volleyball programs will be waiting on you when you get out there. Other news in A-State sports over this past week, and I wanted to bring this up. There's a brand new look on the floor at First National Bank Arena, and I will tell you, I think universally the reaction was great when these pictures came out on social media. Never have I ever, and I haven't gone seeking it out, but when you're just glancing here and there, social media, different places – I've not seen a negative comment about this floor. It's got, there's got to be one out there because, good God, I mean, there's got to be. But I haven't seen it. Everybody's loving this floor, and I don't blame them. Uh, it is sweet. They switched, you know, to kind of honor the past and the future with the A State. It's the Block A State logo at midcourt now, but from baseline to baseline in silhouette form is it, that Wolfhead logo. It looks great. It It's just a beautiful look. Another reason why it's going to be fun to go out and watch A-State basketball hopefully win a whole lot of games yeah. this year. In volleyball, they'll get the first go on it. We talked they about will. that next weekend. They'll be the first team to get to compete on that thing. So people can get their first look at it then. And then you mentioned the basketball. Uh, you know, the men's full schedule came out. It, and I thought it was good, honestly. I mean, more home games on it than I thought there were going to be. A, a, a multi-team event Thanksgiving weekend that's going to have some good matchups. And they got Air Force coming in to start a home-and-home. Home. Yeah, I like the Air Force matchup. And that'll be a different kind of challenge when they come in. And if I'm not mistaken, that that's right before Christmas. I think maybe a week before Christmas when they come in. And then, obviously, after Christmas is when... Sunbelt Conference Place starts uh, getting into full swing. So excited about the basketball schedule as well. But again, football happening this weekend. The Red Wolves trying to wrap up non-conference play with a win when they travel to Tulsa. Again, uh, our broadcast begins at 2 on the radio side with kickoff at 4. And uh, if you want to watch along on television, you can do so on ESPN+. Plus. But if you're looking at possibly making a trip, this is within driving distance for a lot of people. Last time we went over there, maybe five and a half, six hours to get over there. And it, it's an older stadium, but it's it's a nice stadium. I wouldn't think there's a bad seat in the house. It's not a huge venue by any means. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Where are those? Uh, where are those conference road games? Conference road games would be at Georgia Southern next so weekend. That's, you know, that's not a hop in the car and go to that. Going to Monroe. That is. Can definitely do that. Going to Georgia State. Tough. It's not typical for a non-conference yeah, game this, to be. This and, this and Monroe really are. This close. Because the other one's in Mobile. The other road game. That's right. So, yeah, this is uh, – you can uh, – A-State fans can get to this one. Certainly, if you're A-State fans in Central Arkansas or, or West you know, part of the state, certainly can get there. So, hopefully we'll see. And I know we'll see. Heck, there were a surprising number of A-State fans in Seattle Saturday. That's a destination trip. <laughs> kind of sure like, is. you know, a few years ago, we, we had quite a few folks go out to USC for that contest and – you know, I remember some some people going up to Oregon as well. But the the best part about that trip, compared to the ones in the past, was we played in the afternoon the other day, and we got back a little bit before three o'clock. Which, considering where we were, yeah, it wasn't that. Bad. Yeah, if you play, you know, if you play out west and you can get home before the sun's up, it's you, you take the win there from a travel standpoint. Hey, uh, appreciate you listening again. We'll uh, be back next Tuesday for another episode of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.